The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on one-on-one with poppy chulo created by poppy chulo one-on-one showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers here's your host poppy chulo welcome to one-on-one with poppy chulo today is tuesday may 19th 2015 Listeners, please welcome back multiple award-winning fan-favorite adult industry veteran performer, director, and entrepreneur, Mr. Marcus. Welcome back, man. What up? Yeah, so, you know, you get you get into porn, you're, you're just trying to... I, I mean, I was trying to make a name. Like, I wanted to make a name. I wanted to be like Shawn Michaels, <laughs> Peter North. <laughs> I wanted to be like them. You definitely made a name, man. Yeah. Mr. Marcus is a legend. <laughs> Superhero. Kept saying all I need is the hats to secret powers in the hat. Yes. There you go, man. Well, for those that didn't tune in, uh, we did a fantastic part one. Listeners, if you haven't had the chance to listen to it, head on over to poppychuloradio.com slash archives and download it because it was fantastic. We chatted a lot about uh, Mr. Marcus's earlier years in the adult industry and, uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, now let's dive into some serious questions about the industry. And I want to get your take on some of uh, the more you know serious issues in the business. So uh, let's start off uh, part two by talking about family. When you mm. first entered the industry, did your family know about your career in the industry? How did they find out? How did they feel about it? Um, well, I know the story my mom tells me is that she was at work and her coworkers came up to her and said, that, hey, we, we saw your son in a, in a video, a porn video, and that was the first time my mom had heard of it. And, um, but, you know, when she told me that story, to let me know that's how she found out, she said, hey, but it told me more about my coworkers than about you. You know what I mean? Like, it gave, like, and that's exactly how she put it. So it made me think, well, she wasn't mad. She was actually kind of like, gave her insight. And, and it, it was like funny to her. So she, I guess she accepted it, you know? I think she just, she's always accepted her son, so. Very interesting, man. How long after you started uh, doing scenes did this happen? Yeah, who knows? Probably about maybe within a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't, I, you know, I was just making them, I didn't, I, I didn't think of telling anybody. I was just like, it was, it was like a personal thing too, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't think I was sharing it with the world or nothing like that. I, 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 you know, I didn't even look at it that way. It was like, I wanted to make movies and so therefore, you know, it's, you know, it's my thing. Who watches porn movies? My mom doesn't watch porn movies. I'm not making these for her. <laughs> I never thought of it. I never thought of it. But when she said her co-workers, it made me think, wow, okay. It's cool. Yeah, man. Okay, that's interesting. Speaking of family, or on the same tip of family, you are married, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was married. Oh, okay. You're separated, divorced? No, I ain't going through a divorce. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things you would expect, you know, porn star. But then again, I wasn't like the greatest husband either, so I can't blame it all on porn. <laughs> Were you married before you entered the industry, or was that after you entered the industry? No, uh, after. Okay, Way so after. she knew... Uh, about your career in the industry. Yeah, I don't know how, I always think of how deep or how, the depth of it probably, you know, it wasn't like I brought home awards or anything. I kept, you know, I, I always kept them in my office. I, was, I treated it like a business. It was, it was like, a, oh man, it was crazy to have someone in your life and then you're a porn star too, mm -hmm. you know? You know, everybody I knew, I didn't, and then to have kids, you know, I wasn't thinking like, having a family and being a porn star I wasn't the plan when I started out as a porn star she was my girlfriend and even at the time she was just my girlfriend you know I wasn't even I didn't I was just making movies I, you know I, I, I don't know it's weird it's strange you know family comes along and now you got the family and then you're a porn star and no one I either think of it like that or I don't think of it like like that at all and it's almost impossible for me not to so as your relationship progressed how difficult was it juggling Mr. Marcus, the performer, versus, you know, Mr. Marcus, the family man? Well, you know, speaking, you know, everybody does it every day with whatever job they got to do. Right? If I had to talk like that, if I was thinking like that. But in reality, I guess, yeah, it's... You know, you, I was thinking of the word last night, identity crisis. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, who are you? You know, are you a family man and guy who played Mr. Marcus or are you really Mr. Marcus? Especially when you have, you know, the sexual nature, having the sexual nature and trying to express that, you know? Because that's what I've been doing, expressing myself through porn and through whatever, through this medium. You know, I've been around a long fucking time. Around before cell phones, cell phones, you know, video porn and VODs and webcams and fucking internet. Mm -hmm. It's like an explosion. Sex. This porn issue was like an explosion of things. You know? And it wasn't always simple. It was I can take it back to that first scene if all I want. But I've done so much more since then. You know? So many different experiences since then. Trip. You know, 
fucking trip. Sometimes I don't give my I don't fucking give myself enough credit. You know, you survived a lot of shit, lost a lot of people along the way. A lot of friends I was with. When I started making movies are not around right now. How difficult was it living the double life? I mean, it's not, I don't know. I don't know. I would ask. I would wonder what it was like for other porn stars. You know, Belladonna and, and fucking Jenna Jameson. I mean, you saw how much shit she gets. You know, yeah, you can't imagine. You know, you're trying to be a normal person, but everybody's seen your your hoo ha <laughs> and what you do with it. You know, you've been you've been lauded because of it, recognized because of it, made money because of it. You know. You've been a, you built a business because of it. So how do you how do you how do you balance that out? You know, that's the challenge, you know. Some people get it easy, you know. Ooh, ooh, Rocco Rocco Cerfetti gets it. <laughs> you know, I guess when it comes to me, I would say, you know, there's a story there, there's a life, you know what I mean have two kids be a porn star is really a trip you know Vince Foyer I used to always wonder what he what he was like I know his daughter used to bring his daughter around early on I didn't see many guys in the business with kids I, I pat mine you know there's a few people that I saw most of them were business owners not performers speaking about uh, kids and stuff like that mm. you have children at what point are you going to fill them in on what daddy did? Is that a conversation that you're uh, not looking forward to having? Is it a conversation that you've already had? That is, that is a very common question. As if, you know, so there's a fly in my wall. <laughs> and, you know, somehow it hasn't come up yet. You know, it's, it's, still, it's still in the process of explaining no I think in a sense I don't know man you know my mom didn't talk to me about sex and you know having daughters I kind of hint around to it but I just don't want to embarrass them and so I've met you know I don't know it, my mom would have I don't know I don't know and my my, uh, my my daughter said that she just accepted it like that's the way it was always going to be you know and I, who, you know, who, who becomes a porn star and thinks eventually everybody will forget or won't talk about it. But, um, and then when she said that, I had to, like, I felt like I felt bad, but, and I felt like defending that, that statement. But at the same time, it was like, if that's what people are always going to attribute to who I am or a part of who I am, then yeah, it's always going to be like that. You know, I think they said that for, um, you know, or at least I thought it, Tracy Lord, you know, no matter how, whatever she did, I always said, I'm an ex-porn star. <laughs> yeah. Let's move away from family and uh, let's talk about race in the industry. You've been in the game for over two decades. So I'm really curious to talk about race uh, and the industry and your career. As a male performer of color in the industry, have you ever felt any racism or discrimination directed at you? 
Yeah, you know, it was disastrous yesterday. And I, and I don't, you know, it's like, it's weird, man. It's so damn weird. Uh, you know, I've been a part of so many titles, black this, white this. You know, I, I get it. I'm in the middle of a scene. I'm like, you like this black dick. Tell me you love this black dick. We can't get away from race. Race is, is just, we see when we look in the mirror. We know our differences, you know? And in the porn industry, when it comes to sex, that difference is uh, is like this. It's a, it's a uh, the differences is what's attractive as well, you know. <laughs> that's that's arouses motherfucker. So I understand race. I'm not justifying and fighting it, but racism, yes. It's. I think I don't know. I don't know why that is. I think it's because there's insecurities. Maybe I've heard of stories where, you know, men tell a woman, I had a girl tell me this morning, she was like, she was like, um, I think it was this morning, she was like, yeah, why, some, oh yeah, last night I was talking to a girl, Russian girl, she says when she hangs out with me, this is a girl that I hang out in the streets, just at the clubs and stuff, she said when she hangs out with me, people come up to her and say, don't you know who that is, you know, people are going to think you're, you know, you're a porn star and shit and and if, and if you, you know, you can't be seen with a, and then white guys are telling us you can't be with a black dude, you know, because nobody else is going to want you. She says, well, I, what if I don't want a white dude <laughs> after I have a black dude anyways? <laughs> so, and I was reminded, it was like, yeah, it has to be mutual, right? But there's men in this business that perpetuate a, a, a prejudice onto the woman. And I think that form of racism sucks. That, that's like, come on, man. You know, we're not born racist. We're not born this way. We're, we made this way, you know, and we encourage it in this industry in some degree, you know, it's part of the entertainment, it's part of the the attraction, but yeah, definitely in different forms I've experienced it. Do you ever feel that uh, interracial porn goes a little too far with uh, some of the scenarios uh, that they uh, create for their scenes, as well as some of the titles that they give their DVDs. Yeah, I mean they have to. They want to get your attention. I figure like they just get real basic and shit. They'd be like grandma's piss in a bucket home movie, you know. That way these motherfuckers are not confused with what what it is they're getting. <laughs> so you know they have to be blunt and shit. Sometimes they have to be black or nigga this or hold that or, you know. I've seen titles, Cracker, Buster, or... I can't think of half these damn titles. But I always thought they keep coming up with them. I mean, but that's the human language. That's what we do. We come up with shit. <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes motherfuckers we try to come up with the funniest shit they can and then turn that into a movie. Like, like popcorn pimples. Oh no, petite popcorn pimples. Uh, petite popcorn pimple. Petite pretty bitches. Number two. And what you get out of this girl's popping popcorn and shit off the ass because it's so hot. Some shit like that. Sorry. I'm wandering, right? Women get paid more for doing interracial porn, but the male talent, the black male talent, don't receive that pay upgrade. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Because they figure the motherfucker must like it, so therefore you accept 
even a few dollars. <laughs> um, you know, what do you say to what do you say to that? Paying girls more money to do black dick, and girls and girls and girls using that to their advantage. You know, the first interracial. I don't, I remember when the first interracial was like big deal on the cover. It still is. I guess I guess that's where the, the extra money comes from. You know, some girl gets to be on the box cover and put a first time interracial next to her name. You know, maybe they sell a few hundred more CDs. I don't know. You know, on the flip side, I usually benefited from that because I would get some girl what it was for me to have her bust her cherry. You know, I don't know if that's shallow or not. You know, but they always remind you, you were my first Rachel. <laughs> Five years down the road, you were my first. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I was. <laughs> I don't know, something about being first. I don't know. There's always, people always want to pay premium for that. And I guess, you know, I don't know if, I'm, I don't know, I, you know, the this, this game, this, as far as the differences in pay for black males, you know, it's changing. I mean, you got people like, you know, like Lexington Steel and, and, um, and, uh, Flash Brown and, you know, um, uh, I remember Justin Slayer. I mean, these guys came in and commanded just as much as girls and still do, you know, for them to do a scene. Hell yeah. I, I remember hearing that all the time. These guys are commanding that and getting it. Um, and they had, and that's what it takes. You know, you have to say, hey, I want more money. I want it just as much as she's getting. Or work that out ahead of time or maybe the bitch speaks up for you and says, hey, you know, you should pay him more too. Hell yeah. It can happen like that. I want to talk about interracial first, since you brought it up, and it's something that I wanted to explore with you. Uh, there are a lot of performers out there that wait to do their first interracial. You know, there are a lot of female performers, especially Caucasian female performers, who wait on doing interracial. And they don't do it immediately once they start uh, doing scenes. They'll wait like years into their career right. and then they start doing right. their first interracial. Right. <laughs> That's pretty dramatic, huh? Yeah. You know, they wait later on and it's, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a career booster. You know, it's, it's a career revival and that kind of thing. I'm curious to ask you, especially being, you know, the male performer, and as you mentioned, I mean, you've been one of the guys who typically is a lot of uh, porn girls' first interracial. I would say, you know, for a while it was like you and Shawn Michaels, you know, you guys were the ones that were like the first. What's your opinion on performers that wait? Do you think it's financially motivated? Do you think it's uh, racially motivated? What do you think goes into their decision on waiting, on doing interracial? It's 
probably some social thing. <laughs> you know, they're still, you know, are they, are they fucking dudes that are black off camera? Probably. Um, are they, you know, still attracted or, you know, inter- fucking, just fucking period sexually active? Yeah, I don't, I think they're looking at it, they're, they're segregating in the industry in a, their career almost. And, you know, for whatever reason, I've heard them all. I've heard that my fans, my family, my career, my management, my boyfriend, you know. And and, 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 and I've never, and I guess when I always go back to the safe house, hey, to each his own, you know, it's a girl, that's her body, man. You know, whatever she chooses to do with it, then, you know, so be it. Um, I just think that when you apply that a certain thought or process in a racial way in this industry. Yeah. It's a valid question. You know, you know, it's something that says, Hey, you know, are we less than? I don't think so. You know, people get off on it just the same. (laughs) And if they do get off on it even more, well then, you know, then that's good for them. You know, just get off. That's what you want. Right. And maybe some people don't get off in a fucking orgasm. Maybe they get off on it mentally. It just, you know, confirms, gives them confidence and takes them out in the street differently. You know, maybe they see a certain person in a certain way now. I don't know. Races, women are aware of the power of race. Such as man. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, Ebony Erotica productions that pair up black male performers with black female performers when you started uh, your career in the industry there were several companies that uh, specialized in ebony erotica you know one of the major ones at the time was like video team afrocentrics and all that kind of stuff you know they were coming out with all these great features as well as gonzo titles and even other studios were creating productions that featured all black talent. Currently in the industry, you don't really see that happen anymore. There are very few, very few companies and and very few sites that feature black-on-black erotica. And for the most part, a lot of uh, fans that want to see that have to go specifically to a performer's like official website, and you may see some scenes, uh, you know, that are black on black. It seems that the industry right now is focused heavily on interracial, and Emily Erotica has kind of uh, taken a hit because of that. So, being that you've been in the industry for 20 years and that change has kind of occurred while you've been in the game, what's your opinion on the current state of black-on-black productions in the adult industry? It needs to get more. Um, you know, I'd like to see... I'd like to see... Um, maybe in my own self... Um, create a business or a production place where, you know, we're constantly shooting black. Um, like, that's all we shoot. 
and then everything else was, you know, something different and, and something, you know, where we creatively challenge ourselves. I like to see more of that, you know. Um, and I predict that it will come. I predict it. I know it will. I pre- it'll probably exist more now than it did, you know, a few years ago. Um, there's a lot of people interested and they have to be supported within the industry. Definitely. That's the move they make. More. You know, I always thought in terms of interracial, I guess, because I like interracial. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I've come across like some really beautiful talent, like in all, in all colors. And, uh, you're right. It should be more in, I mean, I can we can get political and say that the budgets are all different and all that shit. Maybe, but you know, as long as it's creating work, and I think there needs to be more black owners involved with it, like West Coast. There needs to be more West Coast production. You know, that take the time to spend the money. Do you think because there has been a lack in black on black productions, you know, within the past? 10 years or so that that's why there's going to be this uh, comeback and uh, this new resurgence of uh, ebony erotica in the industry well you see it you see it in mainstream TV you know you start seeing the television you know the mainstream kind of will trickle down into adult maybe an adult vice versa maybe that's because you know you will produce more black you know, we were produced. I mean, the guys look better, the girls look better. I mean, I mean, I I think that if you look at porn, porn reflects that the seventies, the eighties, the nineties. You can look at porn and see what style, what hairstyle. You can see, you know, how people were taking, you know, we exposing ourselves sexually. What was going on? What's the dialogue? What kind of cars are in the background? You know, it's also porn is also period pieces. You know, and. Um, and it borrows from society. So there, therefore, whatever is reflective in our society will be reflective in porn. And you and I think you're seeing it. You're seeing it in the music. You see its influence in hip hop and, 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 and music and theater and books and literature. And you're seeing it in politics. Uh, you see it. In, you see that the racial issue is still an issue in this country. Still. Still, 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 and we probably always will be. You know, porn reflects that, and we probably do it in the most, probably the most, uh, 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 what's that word? Uh, capitalistic way? Is that porn? I don't know if that's the right word. You know, they turn into a commodity, something that they sell. Since we're on the topic of race, Mr. Marcus, something that I want to ask you about is, uh, can you share with the listeners maybe an experience or two where racism affected you in your career, whether it's on set or something behind the scenes, just something where, you know, it was a, an experience involving your race and, uh, you know, a, a type of uh, racist reaction that you had, you know, whether it's with a, a fellow performer who didn't want to work with you or the director that said something, just if you can, because I think a lot of the... Well, uh, you know what? I'll tell you, I'll tell you something that was kind of upsetting. 
and I and I really believe it was racial. I never really forgot it. It just kind of reminded me that you know the powers that be. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, uh, a I, I did a thing for Shane's World. Shane's World used to travel, and we were. And that doesn't make any sense. We were uh, traveling out of out of state. We were going to a different city. And it was like, you know, I'm the only black dude on the, on the thing. Usually because I just, my personality kind of transcend all this shit, right? It's not even about color. It's about, you know, having a really cool black dude hanging out in the movies. And uh, I went, it, it, I, once you get on set or into that environment, you know, when you're traveling, you're doing like a filming, um, a filming with uh, uh, different people. You know, uh, some you're familiar with, some you're not. You kind of like start, Gonzo is just basically kind of winging it, kind of like start making it up as you go. And so this girl, particular girl, who's all in, you know, our hotel rooms, girls are in one room, guys are in the other, and we're all hanging out, drinking, getting hyper and getting ready to, you know, talking about who's working with who and, you know, just natural shit. Well, one of the girls started started giving one of the guys a blowjob. So I came around and I jumped in, you know, to get a blowjob and it, because they were filming it and I wanted to start filming. I just, I, it takes the nerves away. You just kind of like, you just getting in there and, and start filming, you know, and you want to, and I've had a lot of good trips with Shane's world. So that's what I normally do. Well, you know, we ended up having sex, me and the girl and she, you know, and it was good. I mean, we're having, you know, we're fucking, you know, the camera guys over there. And, like, it evolved into sex. Afterwards, the next morning, I get up, and there's all this chaos. And I'm like, what's going on? And he said, well, the agent found out that you worked with the girl last night. And she doesn't do interracial. And I was like, I was like, um, well, she did. <laughs> Well, she wasn't supposed to. And her agent's pissed. He thinks that you raped her. I'm like, rapes? Look at the tape. You know, how's it rape? How does how does how does how does it go from us making a, a porn movie to to rape? And uh they they looked at the tape and everybody came and apologized that, you know, you're right, you know, but unfortunately the agent who was, you know, fucking back in California and we're I think we were in Buffalo. You know, I don't know how many miles that is, but it's a significant amount of miles between me and him. And he, 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 he's, you know, pulling rank all the way across the country and saying, hey, I don't want, I don't feel comfortable having Marcus on the set. And, and I was kind of like, what the fuck is, you know, what is that? So, well, fuck it. It's already done. It's in the can. There's other girls supposed to work there. Let's just keep it moving. Well, she doesn't feel comfortable having him around. And I was like, wait a minute. We just did the scene. We just had a great time. Everyone was happy. And the producers came and said, listen, I'm sorry. We got to do this, but we got to see you home. And as embarrassing and as stupid as I felt and as much racism I thought played into that shit, I thought... Instead of making a big deal about it, instead of me being mad, that's exactly what, you know, I feel like he almost kind of wanted just to justify me not being involved with the productions. 
I just said, no problem. You know, they said, we'll pay you your rate and all that stuff. I said, cool, you know, whatever. And turned around and came home. And I have always thought about this guy. You know, he's an agent still consistent in this industry. And I thought, I've never brought that story up. I never, but I always in the back of my head had that going through my mind. Like, this is what they think about you, you know? And this is the type of shit that they'll pull if they really want to. <laughs> that's racism. <laughs> yeah, man. Wow, that's a crazy, crazy story. Oh, I don't know. That's the type of shit that exists in business. You know, if you're not like well, if you're not popular, if you don't have your agents or you don't have your PR in the right place, and I've seen it. I've seen people try to break down performers and hold them to some higher standard, somebody else's standards, and it's bullshit. Well, I appreciate the answer, man, and the honesty and the candor. No problem. You know, and that same agent was really, uh, <laughs> he was really, he was really, uh, influential in, you know, my little backlash that I received from quote unquote the incident. He was, he was like one of the first person, one of the first people to chime in. The way he looked at it, he, I got a bunch of girls that you guys want to meet for your movies. So what I say goes. And, you know, and this guy's, pretty well known to not favor black men, you know, if you don't really give a fuck. And it's not like he has to, no one's asking you to give black performers handouts and shit. They're just asking to be treated fair, you know, that's all. Just treat me fair. If the guy would have sat there and talked to me about it and asked her and had us all on the phone and said, yo, you know, we know what, when you make porn movies, you know, there are some rules that have been in place, but some things you can't really control. You know what I mean? And I, you know, if the woman gets turned on, it doesn't get turned on. I've seen girls say, you know, I'm not going to, I don't do interracial, but you know, two seconds later, she's like, you know, you're just sticking in my mouth. I remember after that Kira, before she did official, official interracial, I remember being in a scene. It was a three way. It was really like a four way. I had a girl, he and the guy had Asa. And, you know, and I'm looking, I want us all to interact. I want to fuck Asa. And the director's like, no, we got to save that. She's not doing interracial. And slowly but surely, you know, I, you know, me being me, I worked my way over to her. And, you know, I'm grabbing her tits and she's grabbing back. And then she reaches for my dick and she wants to suck it. She's like, let me suck it, let me suck it. You can't plan that shit. So she starts sucking it. And, you know, and, you know, if... You know, if the director or producer is keen to it, he'll start filming. And that's exactly what they do. You know, even that incident I had with the girl, they filmed it. It's not like they didn't film it. They didn't, we didn't, weren't thinking in terms of race. We weren't even, that was something that he was thinking halfway across the country. He brought that up. He made that an issue. You know, he, he was about money. He wanted to be compensated for that. He wanted to use her first interracial to put on a box. It was all bullshit. It's all bullshit. But, you know, you learn how to, like, maybe I should have spoke up about it. I wish I would be more outspoken about things. I wish I would talk about all the, the highs and the lows 
in in a way where I don't I don't people are saying, Oh, you're just saying that. No, it's the truth. <laughs> it's the fucking truth. <laughs> well I appreciate that you're talking now. Mm-hmm. No problem. I want to talk to you about condoms in the industry. When you joined the industry, I would say around that time, I mean, there were there was a lot of condom usage. And then slowly production started not having condoms. You know, some production companies, you know, opted to keep using condoms and then the majority of productions started to change and uh, they started to become condomless. And now, I mean, now pretty much, I mean, there are very few companies that use condoms and scenes. The testing is, you know, very stringent. It's performers are getting tested every two weeks. My question for you is, uh, at the start of your career, when you were doing porn and all of the condomless sex and that kind of thing, was there ever a moment where, you know, you were worried about catching something on set? Mm, yeah, yeah, there was a few times. A few times where I was just like, hmm, I hope I don't catch none. <laughs> Definitely, you know, like, what is this person doing in their in their free time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it wouldn't be human if I didn't have that thought from time to time. Yeah. What's your take on the issue of condoms? Because the issue of condoms has been not only all over the adult press, but also the mainstream press. And, uh, you know, there is that whole thing in uh, the county of Los Angeles called Measure B, which is also known as the County of Los Angeles Safer Sex in the Adult Film Industry Act, which has been in effect. And, uh, you know, they were trying to do some other assembly bill that ended up not happening. And so the issues of condoms is like a hot button issue in the industry. What's your take on whether condoms should or should not be used in productions? Um, it should be optional. You know, if a girl wants to use them. You know, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan Morgan... Probably the, the hardest guy I've seen on the condom. He works for this guy, and you, you know, it's obviously condom mandatory. And you wear, you know, even between the scene, even if the girl and you are dating or friends or, you know, how's she's cool with you taking off the condom? In between this, um, even if she's cool with you taking the condom off to stay hard or whatever, he, he demands to keep going. You know, keep the kind of more. Don't take it off, even even in between. And it was, and, and that struck me because I was thinking, what if people don't want to use a car? And there are a lot of people that don't want to use it. So I, I think that should be optional. It should be a performance choice. And the the company, if they have a policy where they're kind of more only, then they enforce it like John Morgan enforces. And if they're condom optional, then they stay out of it and let the performance choose. You know, and if there's no condoms at all, well, then they have to say that that's part of what who we hire the performers who don't use condoms. You know, all three can coexist, and I think the test should remain, should remain consistent. Consistent. You know, we didn't study, we didn't start looking for STD panels until about 2000, 2001. So... Up until the time, 
having a gonorrhea or it just was an option. And it wasn't rarely, and it was rarely, you know, you'd probably catch it. You know, you'd find out, you'd find out, the, you know, the hard way because you'd get the burning or the itching or you'd see a rash or you'd be like, oh, okay, I need to go see the doctor. And then it became mandatory in the business. So even then, you know, the testing system can always get better. And I think it should always be a priority. You should always look for a better test and test for more things and then, and then protocol those things into the business so that people are aware of them. You know, education is key. You know, a group of, one group of people can't know something that the other group of people can't know. They're all working together. So, I like that answer, man. Figured it out, right? <laughs> yeah, it was a good answer. I think about this stuff a lot. I think about it, I read it, and I hear it, you know? So, I, I kind of, you know, it's like nobody ever asked you, really. You know? Absolutely. Everybody's opinion Obviously, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is the situation that happened to you a couple summers ago. But before we get into that, I want to talk about moratoriums in general. Since you've been in the industry, there have been a couple of moratoriums. Moratoriums usually occur when a performer tests uh, for HIV. You know, they they do their... uh, you know, their usual uh, testing as they do to make sure that they can work in the industry and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, you know, someone pops up potentially being uh, positive for HIV. And then uh, there's a moratorium in the industry. Production shuts down. Typically, you know, there's like generation of, uh, of performers. You know, there's like sort of like patient and then there's you know the first generation and those are the people that had scenes with patient X and then there's like second generation which are people that had scenes with the people that had scenes with patient X and so so forth so what is it like as a performer when a moratorium hits because production halts you know there's usually you know it could be a couple days it could be you know, a week or so when there's nothing going on in the industry. What goes on for a performer when there's a moratorium? Uh, usually when there's no work or whatever, motherfuckers get creative. They don't have to always do perform- uh, What happens is uh, what, I, what I heard is they usually go into they do, they'll do live stream webcam, they'll do anything that you know, doesn't have to involve working with someone else you know they, they do more individual things more singular um, singular uh, work they should be creative that's what really happens <laughs> some people work around it but you know it's up to them that's the producer and the other performer but you know, some people honor it and go away and go do other things. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah. It was three summers ago, correct? Mm-hmm. The summer of 2012, when Mr. Marcus was all over the headlines, and it uh, wasn't for wasn't about your latest 
porn feature. <laughs> oh, it was. <laughs> Putting it mildly. <laughs> Wish it was, but it wasn't. Yeah, man. Can you go into what happened? I mean, I doubt people don't know what happened, but for anyone that is tuning in that has been living under a rock, can you go in from your perspective on what happened that day when uh, Mr. Marcus's name was plastered all over every adult industry website, adult industry news website? Well, it's weird because you know, I kind of saw it before it actually happened. And I, I was thinking, I, this is what I don't want to happen, you know. And then when it really started happening, it was just like kind of like snowballed. And it was like, uh, you know, I was I feel like I was being tested. I was like, you know, it's going to make me or break me or it's going to hurt or it's going to help, you know. It's going to be healing or it's going to fuck everything up. And uh, I was trying to trying to save a career by, you know, holding interviews and trying to explain something to a bunch of people that weren't there for it, you know? So, it was difficult. But I don't know, I, I think the part of me was kind of used to it, to a degree, and, you know, let me, clear, let me clarify. Like, um, you know, I'd seen things happen in the business that I thought were more on a personal level than a professional level. So, I, I looked at it like, hey, this is what comes with the business. Thank God it's cheerful, treatable, you know. I know that some of the stories and rumors that were going around were uh, off, you know, wrong, weren't accurate. So I, I wanted to try to, I just had to hold on to that. Say, okay, well, you know what's really going on. So just hang in there. You know, you fucked up. You made a mistake. You know? She's not my boy. I've done that already. Oh. No. So, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, this will go away. Nobody will ever talk about this again. But here we are, three years later, you know. So, you know, you got to realize, all the time, you know, when, when I get asked how to get into the porno business about 250 times, you know, and and I understand that that's just, I thought I'd answered this already. You know, I thought I'd talked about this already. You know, or one of those things where you, that's not true, you know, to some, to, to everybody. And as time goes on, do, does this answer change or does it stay the same? But three years later, 2000. 12 was just everything that was a crazy year so you get to 2015 and you're like okay fuck that you know it's time to let go I should I was trying to let go 2013 14 <laughs> I really was but it just seemed to be something that had rip, ripple effects on not just my career but in the industry with other people you know and you know that was a heavy thing to go through you know you get you know, if you want me to clarify to the listener, 
you know, I, you know, I, I caught syphilis. I found out that the symptoms, the symptoms I was having at least a month to a, to a month and a half, two at the most, before I was actually officially diagnosed. And having those symptoms was confusing to me because, you know, I was getting, I was getting tested in that time frame like everybody else, you know, and nothing ever came back positive. Little did I know it was syphilis, you know, kind of reacclimated, everything's coming back fine, you know. So I'm thinking it's stress, you know, I'm attributing it to stress because I'm going through a lot of financial changes. You know, I just got into a, a, I was on the verge of losing my studio, so I'm trying to figure out how to turn it into money. I didn't even have it that long. Not contract deals, everything. Was nowhere in my mind thinking sexual, you know, that there was something sexual going on. And uh, and when I finally, you know, just by happenstance, when it got, you know, well, no, I know what it was. My daughter said, "Hey, you know," because I had spots in my hand. My daughter was like, "Yo, you need to go to the doctor. Something's not right. You know, if you're stressed out about that, you need to go get yourself checked." I'm like, "You're right," and I'm the type that don't like going to the doctors. And I, and, you know, I usually just try to stay active and shit and try to stay healthy, eat right and all that shit, exercise like crazy. So she says that I go, I get tested, the doctor says, you got syphilis. And truth is, immediately I was like, well, what do I, you know, and what, what happens next? And he says, just go get a shot. You'll be fine. It's real simple to treat, you know? And I was like, well, cool. Cause that's what we do when we get, like, you know, chlamydia and gonorrhea, I guess. You know, do the same thing. We get we get a shot and don't work for a week and go right back to making movies. Or at least that's been the practice, you know, that I've had to. I've had. And I just thought the same thing with syphilis. You know, and, and you know, and technically it was, it's true. Everything, uh, everything I thought, everything that I did was right on the money. Get the shot, don't work for a week, which is what I did. But the problem came when, you know, when you get the retested and it comes back as if you still have the, the bacteria in the system because of the antibiotics and the antibodies of the, of the, syphilis are in your system considering what test you use if you've had it before or if you haven't had it before you know it over time it eventually this is that number goes down to it's not zero a low number that's not even detectable of a syphilis antibodies in your system but to anybody else it's like you're still positive with syphilis and you know, they gave me the test, came back, I was still positive for syphilis, even after having been treated. And I was trying my, I, I thought, I thought it was best if I kept that to myself, you know, um, that I had syphilis and been treated and then moved on. But the test said that, yo, know, you're still, but I knew I wasn't. 
the word, uh, can infect anybody because after you're rendered, syphilis is rendered non-contagious um, 24 hours after you're shot. So, I mean, I'm knowing all this. I'm armed, I'm armed with all of this knowledge. And I'm like, and I'm going to the testing facility and I said, well, how do we, how do I prove that I've been tested and treated and I'm good, you know? And they were like, well, we'll give you a test without that. But by this time, <laughs> I'd already did the idiotic thing of taking my test and kind of folding it over so that the, I made a Xerox copy of it and I thought, okay, there you go. This just was, you know, because I, it, it, terminology is false positive. You know, you're, you're saying you're positive, but it's false. It happens with HIV. You know, it happens if you're taking certain medicines. It happens if you're on a certain diet or if you're getting taking medicine for some other treatment. So, I, you know, I, was, I, I, I just did that. One little act, you know, and I gave the test to another producer. And he hit me up the next day and like, hey, you know, this test is... Uh, not like everybody else's test. <laughs> Where's the syphilis part? And I was like, well, you know, I had, you know, I had it, but I've been treated, and the test didn't reflect that. So I didn't want to share that. Well, you shouldn't have done that. You know, what about, you know, that's, what about other performers and all this other stuff? And I was like, you know, it, it, it hit me in a way where, I, I, I said, I knew it. I was like, ah, you know, it's always going to be about us, like that trust issue between performers. And that's where that came from. You know, can we trust you? And, you know, and people thought like crazy things. Like if I did, I remember reading, if I would, if I did that with syphilis, I would do that for HIV test. That hurt. That, hurt. that was like, that was like, uh, I was put in criminal territory because of that. You know, and it wasn't like that. You know, maybe, you know, the conversation went back to Mark Wallace and his falsification of his HIV test. And he ended up infecting uh, hiring many girls. And I remember I was outspoken critic of that. And I feel like that was coming back full circle for me. And I understood where that was coming from, you know. And, you know, and then I, and I had to deal with the fact that I did that and then, you know, it was made into criminal and it was like a lapse of judgment. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of shit. <laughs> it was like, and you know, and you know, and it's, I had never had any ill intentions, you know, and unfortunately it, people were able to use that as an argument that maybe I would have, you know, they, they didn't know. And it sucked, man. It sucked. It sucked because I know going through that period, going through that time frame was real difficult and I couldn't really talk to anybody and try to explain it and you know but but moving on you know 2015 well the goal is to like take that lesson you know and and share that but in a way where you know people benefit from it and and the other people that come after me, learn from it. You got me? Absolutely. Why do you think you were made an example of? Because when this happened, uh, back in 
August of uh, 2012, when sort of like shit hit the fan, you were made an example, man. I mean, this was uh, of like caliber of like, uh, you know, Darren James, like, uh, you know, almost a decade ago or something like that. It was like a big deal and you were, I don't know if you want to, I don't know what you were experiencing, but it almost seemed as if like you were getting blackballed from the industry like it was a huge deal and i know that a couple of years prior to that like brian pumper had an std type of thing going on where um, i believe it was in 2009 he had signed with evil angel as an exclusive director and then like a year later they dropped him because he had forged an std test for a female performer and uh you know that was a um a minor scandal you know he just got dropped from his contract like you were getting blackballed from the entire industry like they were making a, an example out of you why do you think they were trying to make an example out of you someone who's been in the game you know at that point it was like almost two decades like someone who's a veteran who's been in the game for so long you would have thought that uh, I don't know maybe I don't want to say leniency, but at least there was maybe some sort of understanding and it wouldn't have blown up to the extent as it did. You know, I maybe someone who's fresh in the game or something, you know, you expect, you know, a big scandal out of it, but not someone who's been in the game for as long as you have. So why do you think they were trying to make an example out of you? Well, I don't know if I... When you say they, you know, like, who's they, you know? Well, let's I, just say the media I, in general, because the media was the one that was, like, really jumping on this story. And, uh, you know, the powers that be, you know, everyone that was that was getting quoted and saying, you know, oh, you know, you know, he must have been doing this, he must have been doing that. There were a lot of people that were coming out of the woodworks ready to talk. Yeah, yeah. It, I know, unfortunately, I listened to a lot of it, thought a lot about it, it didn't really help, you know. It was like it's funny because you, you're hearing yourself being talked about in ways you never, <laughs> never expected to, to hear. <laughs> you know, I I thought about some of you know I thought about some of the things I've done and like some things I'm not proud of. You know, some things I wish I would have done differently. And you know, then it's, then it's to hear from other people on top of all that shit. Let's just say. Let's just say that people gonna feel like that towards anybody, uh, and I think you know, being a porn star, a black porn star, being in this industry a long time, you know, having the experience I had. Some people had great experiences with me. Some people had bad experiences with me. You know, those things came out, and you know, th- those times where I wasn't like on my, I. I was a bad human, a bad robot. I like to think of bad robot. I can I know what people I got along with. Or I know what people that I I try to get along with a lot of people. You know, some people I liked, some people I didn't like. It was mutual in some places, and it was love in others. Um, and I think a lot had to do with me. You know how I responded to it. You know, I I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know how to like how to like. You know, didn't have a. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a press release. You know, I didn't have a, a 
uh, a, pub, a, a publicist. A lot of those, a lot of performers have those things. Now. There's a lot of safeguards in place now that that people have in place that they use to you know protect the information, the company, the image, the person. Uh, you know the brand, and that's what's that's what's in place now. That's what you see. There was always ways to to. I mean, come on, man! It's a syphilis. It's curable. What someone told me it was an irritable. It was a. It was a um, irritable. No, it was a simple bacteria. And. If I would have known better, I probably would have done way things better. I think I, I was out of fear. With that being said, I think, you know, having Darren James or having Brian Pumper, because I totally forgot about Brian Pumper. He made me feel, you made me think that, yeah, I was in that same category. I totally didn't realize that. I was looking at him like, shame, shame, you lost the greatest deal ever because of, you had to go fucking, you know, forge a chlamydia test Jesus stupid shit really stupid shit but at the same time does it give you an opportunity to bounce back and learn from that mistake and other people learn from that mistake hell motherfucking yeah and that's what happens that's how you gotta look at it I think I think it was a challenge for me to go through that shit and It'll probably be a challenge for anybody else. I think that I think they wanted to send a message to anybody else. Don't fuck with your test. You know, if you're HIV positive and you know it, they don't work. You know what I mean? Don't go spreading because you know that's a disease you can't get rid of. You know, same thing with syphilis. It should it should it should be you know for gonorrhea, chlamydia, herpes. I mean, you know, in this industry, there's all kind of STDs and there's a lot of things that people don't talk about. There's a lot of things that people are uneducated about. You know. Um, probably needs to be more education on that point. I think this, I, I, you know, the other thing too, and I'll say this probably is I guess they expected me to kind of bend over and go away. And I saw Darren James did that. Mark Wallace did that. And people who get HIV infected in this industry do that. They're made to feel like, hey, you're ashamed of you, we're ashamed of you. You're not, you're not one of us, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I, I think you gotta look at it like in certain cases, or even in all cases, it's probably fear that drove them to do what for things to happen the way they happen on both sides of the fence. Fear of what you're gonna be, what's gonna be said, or how you're gonna be treated. Fear of the, of what you know, what you're going through, not knowing. You gotta educate yourself, and I think I had to educate myself. I educated myself, and I during this, during this process, let's educate the, the industry. You know, I like the fact that we haven't completely closed, we haven't found closure, we haven't closed the door to this discussion. It's good, you know. Maybe maybe it's taking time to find the find the right words. You know, maybe it's taking some time to come up with a with the right response. The the most productive response let me play devil's advocate for a moment in your opinion as someone who's been in the game for as long as you have if mr marcus had been a caucasian performer would the reaction have been the same 
I mean, you saw what happened with Mark Wallace. I mean, certain people stepped up to help him out, and other people shunned him. Um, with Darren James, he didn't have he didn't have a choice. Somebody they put his picture out there. The media, you know, got involved into a, something that they rarely know anything about. Speculated, you know, and that guy, you know, had to go through shit like that very publicly. Um, so I don't I don't think there's a racial, but yeah, let's just say that being black, probably being in the industry as long as I have. I, and I, you know, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an angel. Speaking of devil's advocate, you know, there are things that I wish I could have done differently in the business. And so, with that thought, you know, maybe it's just a character thing. You know, let's see, this is a guy we've liked, known for a long time, whether he's black or white. This is a guy we, you know, we trust. You know, look, this is a guy who's taught us how to do things better, differently, you know? Maybe you gotta think of it that way, you know? And understand, okay, well, if you, maybe you respected me that much, that, you know, they were disappointed, but at the same time, they said, but just tell us what to do next. Got me? Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I would have liked, I would have liked, for Darren James to speak out on HIV, to be honest with you, not on the adult industry in general, but about HIV overall. Why not talk about shit? After the fact. And I hate it. I, you know, and I'm, I'm telling you from a, the guy who went through all this stuff, like, I felt a lot of different things. I thought a lot of different things, you know? I really did. I do. I still do. I hate, you know, I used to go on adult talk but adult DVD talk, they post stuff and say things all the time about girls, about companies. I don't know if my I don't know if my opinion mattered. You feel me? But I feel like I'm contributing. I always thought I was contributing to this porn industry, a contributor. So, from you know, I'm, I I think that I need to get back to that. I think they I got scared away from that. I think I felt like well, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. You know. And I didn't know if I was going to be articulate enough, or if I, or clear enough in my explanation. And if that, and if that alone, even if I, because here's the part, you know, if I say what happened, I tell you what happened. Am I stupid for the things that 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 did happen? You know, I don't want to feel inferior because of that. I, you know, I feel like I made mistakes, and I can tell you why. But I would hope that maybe in, in that discussion we, we see some solutions. That's, you know, that's important. Definitely, man. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Marcus. You've been in the game for over 20 years, so obviously you've made a lot of connections in the industry and a lot of friendships and whatnot. When this scandal hit, did a lot of people run away? Yeah. Okay, so sure you found did. out, unfortunately, in probably one of the worst ways possible, you found out who really had Mr. Marcus's back. <laughs> right. Yeah, I found out a lot. And I'm still finding out shit. I'm still finding out all kinds of stuff. About myself, about the porn industry, about, you know, I... 
Yeah, and your interview coming at a crazy time because I'm, you know, I want to, I want to apply myself again, you know, and I want to apply myself and know, okay, know there's gonna be hate, know there's gonna be love, know there's no, know already, you know, don't expect them all to have open arms, you know, so then understand and to really even give a fuck. But for those that do, you know, come on, let's go, you know, I'm ready to apply myself. Prior to this um, syphilis incident, had you at all caught any STIs on set before? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I had. Okay. And was this syphilis um, infection something that was caught on set or off set? Well, you know, that's a, that's a good question, man, you know, the only thing I could think of is I got a lap dance. <laughs> I was trying to go back. I was like, you know, it's, you know, I, I, this, in my timeline, it was a, it was a European performer I worked with. Worked with her. It was her third scene of the day. She did two other scenes. I didn't find that out until after we were shooting the, the third scene. I thought she only did two. Then she went to Europe and then, she turned out she had syphilis, but then they got like 30-some other people supposedly had caught syphilis too. Correct. Around the same time, there was a big syphilis outbreak in Europe. Right. 100%. And that had me thinking that that performer, that female, is probably where I caught. Because I couldn't think of anything else, nobody else. You know, I, I, I didn't have sex. I don't think I had sex with anybody. Off camera, I think I got head from a girl, but didn't fuck her. You know, and it, and it had me like really perplexed. I'm like, uh, you know, I was like, I, I got really, I got really weird about this one girl. I thought she gave me because, but I was having, I actually had the rash prior to working with, like, off sex camera with this girl who's a performer. And I remember, you know, thinking that that was from fucking a girl with no lube. And I thought I got really raw. And I was like, you know, and here I was fucking tell a girl. And I mean, she's making it even raw because this girl just wants to fuck, 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 fuck. And I'm like, you know, I got to shoot a scene. And you're making my dick even more, you know, so I put some vitamin E on it. And I'm thinking, so I thought, so when, when I started looking at, like symptoms and finding out, okay, I must have had this sooner than I thought. Well, then, yeah, then you think of what, who was at that time frame of, of that time of that month when you started seeing any kind of symptoms, and this was a one particular girl. But I never really put it out there. I never said anything, you know. But when she went to Europe, and then she ended up being HIV, you know, HIV syphilis positive, and then those outbreaks, then I just assumed that that's where I got it from, the European performance. Besides the uh, ramifications on your career in the industry, there were some legal ramifications. I don't know how much you can go into it. Uh, some of the stuff has already been sort of settled and uh, and that kind of thing. So uh, I guess it's up to you as to how, how much you can actually say. 
But on June 4th, 2013, you were sentenced to 30 days in jail and 36 months probation for, quote, knowingly exposing at least two co-stars to syphilis after testing positive for the disease days earlier. And you were sued by a performer, Lilith LeVay, because of the outbreak. And she was awarded a judgment in her favor in June 2014. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So, I guess what I want to ask is uh, your thoughts on all of that. You know, do you think, I mean, do you think this legal route was the right reaction to what was going on? Like, what's your take on what happened legally post this? Um, I don't know what you want to call it. Scandal, incident, outbreak. Um, my, you know, you know, I get exhausted. You know, some days I'm able to like, you know, explain it clearly and accurately and you know precisely about everything that happened. And the other days it's kind of like, so what's the point? You know, people feel and think what they want to think and thought what they want to thought already it's like I can't really change mm -hmm. people's minds um I tried I tried to clarify something through ADN recently and it was like eh. he was like just let it go and then when he said okay well, fuck it I'll rewrite this or I'll update the article he still had things wrong in it <laughs> and I was just kind of like well you know so used to, so so used to, so used so used to trying yeah. Use some um, you know, I don't know, man. You know, I wish I could. I wish I wish I could have handled those things differently. You know, I've been always screaming at my lawyer, like, "Yo, we gotta fight back." You know, I don't want to give up. I still want to like argue that you know people got it wrong. The court, you know, the justice thing didn't work in my favor. I got, you know, I was sitting in jail. I, you know, I went to go to court to go for an arraignment for something else, and then I, my bail, they got arrested, you know, and then they were like, he's a minister of society, got a DUI, it was like all these things kind of came together, and, you know, it was like I was there to, to just show up for, for uh, uh, to, to appear for a probation violation. Probation violations are small little tales that they put on, on little criminal cases, you know, mm -hmm. and basically they stepped on that and said, yeah, take him into custody, give him a $200,000 bail, which didn't make any fucking sense. And then they put me in, you know, protective custody when I was in there, so they kind of restricted my, uh, my ability to communicate with the uh, family and anybody of importance so you know in the first opportunity I got you know I kind of approached it like yo how, what can I do to get out of this situation to like take this this plea deal the plea deal was 30 days and I was in custody for 10 we were trying to get a bail reduction but uh, my lawyer you know was prepared to fight that shit but at the same time he was like if you want to take a deal and get out of here right now then do that too so, 
it was, a, you know, it was like not a wise decision, you know, so that's me. I, I would have, you know, I would have gave my lawyer the chance to argue about the bail reduction and then based off of that and make a decision if we can come up with the bail or do we go ahead and take the plea deal. But I didn't give him a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. So then by the time the media or what you know, the prosecutor went to the media and the media he put the story out you know and then it became a story another story another chapter <laughs> yeah well Marcus I certainly appreciate the honesty and the candor I know that you you know you've talked about this a lot but uh, at least this time around you know, the listeners got the chance to actually hear you as opposed to like reading articles and taking your quotes and maybe they don't take the entire quote and, you know, they sort of run with, you know, what they want to interpret with, with what you said. Right. And this time around, they got a chance to hear you give uh, this story. Is there anything else that you want the listeners and your fans to know about this incident before we move on? I mean, is there anything else that you want to say to the listeners about it, or do you feel like we completely covered it? Mm. That's a really good question. Maybe sometimes I wanted to talk. I I think, I, I, I think, there's a lot of things said, and you know, you really reflect and you think about all. You, you feel guilty about everything. <laughs> you feel like you are responsible for everything, and um, that's not true. You know, a lot of different things come into play. It's not always what it looks like. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to go deeper with it. You know, for the most part, a lot of my fans, a lot of people I've never met in my life, were like standing by my side. And my friends, my immediately, my immediate friends all sent me text messages and phone calls saying this too shall pass. And I found out that was a common thread. So you can get through anything, you know, you just gotta hang in there and stay positive. Uh, and I was pretty common. And that, that's pretty much been consistent, you know. That's what I got for the most part. So I think that's what I would say to people. Whatever you're going through, just two shall pass. And that's whatever you may be going through. And if it's negative and, you know, holding you down, eventually it'll pass. But you got to get up, you know. You got to you can't let them keep you down. Don't let nobody, you know, don't let nobody uh, hold you down. Get up. This too shall pass. So let's move away from questions about condoms and uh, what we'll refer to as the incident. And let's talk about uh, some other serious issues in the industry. And one thing that I really want to pick your brain at, especially since you are a veteran in the game, is uh, this new niche and genre that has been uh, becoming really popular in the industry, which is kind of like the stepfather stepbrother genre uh, you've done 
like a couple of productions where you know you've sort of been you know the stepfather and that kind of thing and a lot of productions nowadays are really like going full bore in what i'm calling sort of incest light and the reason i'm calling that is because obviously you know the performers aren't related but they are playing with these very taboo subjects of you know the stepfather and the stepdaughter or the stepbrother and the stepsister or you know the stepson and the stepmother and that kind of thing what's your sort of take on this genre that's kind of taking over the industry now and it's becoming really popular well, you know, I thought about that too I was in what did I see I I mean, I, I under the same line of like this is you know where the industry is going. I mean, between that and parodies, I mean, all they're trying to do is grab your attention. They're just trying to stand out. You know, it's, the porn industry is full of taboos. You know, when it comes to sex, it's such a it's such a private thing. It's not like everybody like it's not like when you go. You hang out with your homeboys, you're like, yo, let's go rent uh, grandma's, you know, cousin's party number seven together. It's a it's a personal thing. I think, I'm not sure if it's safe or not safe, but maybe to to a degree, you know, it's entertainment. You know, you know it's not real, and they kind of, like, let you know that with disclaimers, letting you know that these are actors and this is, they're not really related and shit like that, but... People get off on that. I don't know what it is, but they add a little something to it when they know that there's two sisters, you know, you know, getting it on. I, I don't know. It's just something that goes into people's psyche. Mm-hmm. Helps them get off. Yeah. You mentioned parodies. What's your take on parodies? I'm kind of curious to ask, uh, since you are a veteran in the game, parodies weren't necessarily as popular when you started off, and then throughout the years, they've just become ridiculously popular. I mean, they've uh, parodied like stuff that, in my opinion, should never be parodied because it's you know, <laughs> like the Smurfs. <laughs> Who wants to really see the Smurfs having sex? I don't know. I guess somebody out there, but really, the Smurfs. So, what's your take on parodies? Uh, well, you know, what? I actually came across some parodies that were done like in the eighties and early nineties. Well, they've actually been around a lot longer than we like to give them credit for. That's true, the but there was like a big resurgence, I would say, within like the past 10 years well, or know, so. It, it kind of mirrors Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood comes out with all these new Marvels, and these characters are old, Superman, the Hulk, you know, RoboCop, I don't know, sure, RoboCop, I mean, Iron Man, same thing. Um, but it's just, those things come out in mainstream, and then porn is looking at mainstream like, yo, let's do that. Let's copy that. And, and they've always looked towards mainstream as a way to mine, um, you know, to, to mine ideas. So I think it's just kind of mirroring what we see in Hollywood. If Hollywood's going back and finding movies, you know, and ideas from the 60s and the 70s or the 80s and rehash them for, you know, in the 2000s, then porn would do the same thing. And I got nothing against it. I think I think if the dialogue is done right, you know, I just I just watched one of Axel Braun's uh, uh, movies, and I never really watched his movies, but I realized the guy created a soap opera, soap opera around superheroes, soap opera in the porn, kind of works for the girls because it's some psychological, 
emotional connection going on there. And for the guy, he can, you know, he can always be like, yeah, that's how life is, you know. You're Clark Kent one minute, you know, bumbling and nerdy, and then the next minute you're like Superman. And I think if you can get that in a porno, then it's like extra bonus. Like, honey, let's watch Superman at night, but let's let's watch the triple X version. She'll be happy because actually Axel gets pretty good 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 acting out of his out of his characters, out of his actors. And then he's got this storyline that's thinly veiled against something that's familiar. So it's a win win. That's and I think that's why they work. You know? Yeah, man. In your opinion, is there competition among male performers in the industry? Yeah, I mean, to a, to some degree, yeah. I mean, you know, what would we be without competition, you know? Everyone would be just settled with what we have, and I think we constantly kind of, like, challenge each other. It's competitive because you want to, you want to be a popular one. I mean, there's, there's perks that come along being popular and being number one, you know, the perks are the girls want to pick you and want to work with you first, and the directors think about you first, and you know, and you can and you get more publicity and more mentions, and you know, and that can benefit you financially if you know how to convert that. You know what I mean? If you know how to use those those assets. So yeah, competition-wise, as far as performing, being known, and standing out, yeah, it exists. I mean, it kind of drives us all. I was competitive. You know, I was competitive because I would see those girls that I wanted to work with. And in order for me to really get their attention, I have to puff my chest out, you know, work out a little harder, you know, show off a, a, a better erection, last longer, you know, make sure that my rep was, you know, positive and, you know, encouraging for them to want to be around and associate with. So competitively, I'm using that word. I would use whatever I had at my disposal to make me stand out from the rest. And you certainly did that, man, because uh, speaking of sort of competition, because at the height of your career, you know, especially like, I always feel like everyone has. I always feel like a porn career sort of is is like in waves, you know, as far as like the highs and the lows. And at one of your heights, I mean, you were the guy in particular sort of like crossing over from like urban to mainstream. You were the guy like you and Shawn Michaels were both the guys like you guys were the ones that were getting hired for all of like the wicked features and like the vivid features and that kind of thing whenever the companies that typically didn't hire black male performers wanted to have black male performers in their features and that kind of thing it was really like you and Shawn Michaels man for a while so I'm gonna assume like you know a lot of your fellow male performers of color were like damn it you know when am I gonna get my shot well you know I, I don't I mean, I could probably, I couldn't, I, I ain't going to lie and say I know what the hell they were thinking. I hope, I hope they weren't thinking that. Because it was like, there was always enough work to go around. And like I told you earlier, you know, you got to get out there and you got to create your way. You got to find out how to like, you know, what is it you want to do in this industry and just go do it. If you start looking at other people for, uh, you know, you can look at other people for not so much guidance, but for if you can acknowledge another person's career um, and things and see things in their career that you like, 
then you just take those things and do them yourself. So there's no reason to be jealous. I never understood that. I, I used to walk around, I used to go into the club and I'd be thinking, if someone's mad at me for being in porno movies, for having sex with girls, for making, you know, then they got an issue. Because there shouldn't be no problems with me. I mean, you can, if I'm making a movie and I'm, I'm having and I'm and I'm enjoying myself. Then that joy is going to be passed on to the viewer, and 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 that viewer is going to take that joy and pass it on to his significant other, his partner, his sexual partner, his friends, whatever the fuck. It's gonna it's gonna transcend. You know what I mean? So, and I say that because I'm thinking about what you just what you asked me about the whole looking at another performer. I mean, when I looked at Shawn Michaels. I looked at, at this guy like I want to do it. I want to be on his level and beyond. To be honest with you, that's the way I looked at him. He inspired me, 100%. He inspired me to, that it was okay to, you know, when I showed up on set, it was going to be a good day. If I was going to do my best to make it a good day, you got me? If I settled in, if I, you know, if me and the producer, the director, you know, catching up, it's been a while, or me and the girl are excited to work with each other. And that's where all the that's where the magic happens. That's where all the good stuff comes from. <laughs> I like that answer, man. It's a very good answer. That's Mr. Marcus has been bringing it with the answers. <laughs> I appreciate I'm a positive it, man. Dude, man. Positive dude. You know, it took me a while to get to that place because you know, but I think I have good people in my life too that kind of help facilitate that. So. Absolutely. As a veteran in the industry, something that I want to pick your brain about is uh, something that occurs on the mainstream side of entertainment, but this is kind of, in my opinion, unheard of uh, in the adult industry. Residuals. Do you think porn performers, porn stars, should uh, be given residuals for the work that they do in the industry? Well... You know, obviously, the more money a performer can make, the better. And, you know, the, the, the distributor, the producers, you know, have, have earmarked a certain amount of money to be made off of each movie. They're not thinking of residuals. They're not thinking that there's just another person to pay out. I've been promised residuals before. <laughs> you know, and never saw them. You know, you, can, you sign whatever contract you want in the beginning. And then it's going to be like what really happens, you know? And a lot of these people, are, they're not, you know, they go out of business or they move on or, you know, there could be a lot of reasons why it doesn't work. No one's there to enforce it. You know, no one's keeping track. You know, in, in the mainstream, they have accountants, you know, and, and accountancy firms and, and third parties that kind of regulate that stuff. I mean, even with BM, even with music, you know, there's someone keeping track of every song that's being played and where it's being played, and making sure that someone's getting paid from that. That doesn't, that wouldn't happen in the porn industry because it's so. First of all, the performers are not educated enough. Number two is, you know, they don't negotiate that stuff in the contract. We basically sign away our our likenesses and our in our in our uh, image immediately from the model releases that we signed. So we kind of, we don't, we don't even, we're not like, we're not, um, they don't have to pay us anything that we're not asking for. 
You got me? And mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't know how that works with performers under contract. There may be some situations in there where, hey, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jessica Drake is like saying, if I'm producing this movie and I'm starring in it, I better get paid from it, you know, as long as I'm alive. You know, and I think Steve Ornstein, who runs Wicked, is probably fair like that. Depends on the producer that you're working with, the company you're working with. If that's something that they're known for doing, if they do it consistently, you know, if they have a, if they have a, um, uh, a situation or a setup in place, a system in place that supports it. But, but I don't. I haven't seen it, and I haven't seen it consistently, and I haven't seen it enforced as long as I've been in this industry. The only way you can make residuals on this on any type of porn movie is to own it and distribute it. And to be in the in the position where you can collect and charge and receive, you know, fees for everyone sold. But that's on a higher level, and, and, and I rarely see it on the performance level. One of the reasons I love interviewing porn veterans is because not only do you have your own rich history, but you are a part of, you know, sort of like the rich tapestry that is the adult industry and the history of the adult industry. What I find really fascinating about you, man, and uh, I mean, not that many performers can say this anymore, is, I mean, you were there when it was VHS, then it moved into uh, DVD, then it moved into Blu-ray, and now it's all like video on demand and streaming and that kind of thing. So not that many performers out there nowadays can say, you know, I started when it was VHS, and now it's all digital and streaming and all that kind of thing. So I'm mentioning all of uh, the the ways that porn has evolved because I want to talk about piracy. What's your take on piracy and the industry? Um, truthfully, I think it was, I mean, I remember when I first started doing my website and there was a thing called bandwidth that I didn't know shit about. And, you know, hosting companies were charging me a certain amount of money and I paid for a certain amount of bandwidth in the beginning. Mr. Marcus and was breaking the internet. <laughs> I was trying, you know, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was just doing what I was told. <laughs> and uh, so I got this bandwidth and I'm doing my website. Next thing I know, you know, the bandwidth goes from, I, I wish I could remember the, the amount, but it goes from a, you know, a normal amount of usage, you know, the average Joe, you know, regular steady traffic to this astronomical jump up. I had to pay like an extra thousand some dollars because my bandwidth was, was being overran up over my limit. I didn't understand what the hell that meant. And my web guy said, well, someone is hacked into your website and opened it up and, and basically was using your bandwidth and sharing your bandwidth to get to do their work. So they were basically stealing my bandwidth and using it, right? Because we didn't have no kind of security measures in place to prevent that from happening. And it wasn't like you had a dedicated, it wasn't, uh, at that time, I don't think it was a dedicated server. So, you know, people were able to access and, and steal it. And I think that's the same thing when it comes to piracy. I think, you know, you put this stuff up there and, you know, you got to understand there's a lot of, there's a lot of young, they, I keep hearing that there's a large group of young people growing up in the, that are not paying for porn, so they don't see the value in it. 
and I think it's up to the producers or the, the companies, maybe even the performance to educate them about like, yo, you know, that's stealing. You know, we we spend money, we work hard to make these movies, and we would ask that you pay for them instead of just stealing them. But you're going to have those people out there that are just doing it because they can. That's the only reason why they're stealing it. So I've seen people take, you know, I, I remember Jules Jordan. I mean, I don't know what his budget is legally, but he spent a shitload of money to try to get a lot of his stuff watermarked, protected, um, you know, eradicated, I don't know, erased from the Internet. And I, it was time consuming. So it's something that you have to do diligently. Diligent, how you say it? Diligently. Exactly. And you got to do that consistently in order for you to overcome that. And I, I don't know sure if, if and, and here's the flip side. And then, you know, a lot of producers don't want to spend the time or money or, or don't even have the know-how. But on the flip side, they got smart. They said, well, if people are going to these sites for free and there's a shitload of free content there and you know, you recognize your content and recognize your your, your rivals' competition's um, content, and then you say when you go to that company, you say, "Well, I tell you what, you keep my company. You can keep my stuff up there. Just channel the traffic into some sites that I created. So therefore, you're getting those eyes, you're getting those views, but more importantly, you're getting the clicks. So now they're starting to, and I think they've been using that as a, you know. You think about it, the biggest porn company in the world is also the, the biggest pirate site. You know what I mean? Because of the traffic. It's free porn. It, you know, everybody clicks on it, and then they have a, a shitload of advertising, and all they want is the clicks. It's the same business model that the mainstream uses, you know? Throw a shitload of stories up on there, and one of those stories is going to get your interest. And even if an advertiser is starting to spend a lot more money on the internet, they're pulling away from magazines. I mean, they spend a shitload of money on magazine advertising, but now you got all eyes are on the internet. So advertising dollars are starting to head that way. And all they want is the views, the clicks, by any means necessary. So, you know, you find these companies that are saying, hey, you know, give us those clicks from porn, but we don't want to know about it. No, we don't want to be involved in that area. Just send the traffic our way. And I think that's what you see happen. So piracy has turned into, you know, human ingenuity kicks in and, and piracy turns into revenue stream. <laughs> Very good smart. answer. Yeah. <laughs> Very good answer, Mr. Marcus. Is there a misconception or myth about porn stars that you would like to dispel? Uh... Well, I can only go from my own experiences. I used to get all the time, do I do gay? You know, because I'm in the porn industry and that's, they do. You have, or do you have to do gay in order to be in porn industry? Um, everybody's on drugs. Everyone's, you know, people have been, we're all sexually abused by our uncles. We have low self-esteem. You know, we're not, we're not too bright or educated. So therefore, you know, you know, we have to use our bodies. None of that shit is true. You know, none of it's true. I've seen some really smart, beautiful people come into this industry and and then really control their career by those same things that people don't think associate with being a porn star. And, you know, that's a stigma. But that's a stigma that can be overcome by a few, you know what I mean, that represent the many. 
And um, I just don't, I just, and I, and I, you know, and, and a true fan, a true porn fan knows better. You know, they appreciate the hell out of these women who are basically a virtual girlfriend. Um, you know, and they support those girls like crazy and with the way the internet is set up and the way that women can, once they, once they're known and have some kind of value or branding to them, then, you know, they don't have to keep making a shitload of movies to, 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 to survive or to, to make a, you know, to make a living. You know, they focus on the people that support them and, and that's all they got to really cater to. And that inter internet allows that, you know? And if you want to be dressed up as, you know, Mickey Mouse, or Minnie Mouse, they can, you know what I mean? If they want to play around and be She-Ra or dress up, you know, they get a photographer, a videographer to get it, upload it, tell their members about it, and then, they, you know, they make a few bucks. It's just something that, um, that smart and, 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 uh, I don't know, career-driven people can do and they exist in this porn industry so you gotta let you gotta let a lot of those stereotypes those misconceptions go if you wanna be successful and you can't really give a fuck what people think you just gotta be yourself I don't know and I kinda learned that early on I, I, I watched how people reacted to me you know I you know, I never I, I wasn't you know I, I, I take the word porn star now I embrace it now but I didn't in the beginning because of people's reactions you know, all of those stereotypes. Do you do gay? Or uh, yeah, did you do guys, you know? Um were you molested as a child, you know? Um <laughs> why'd you pick porn, you know? How do you maintain a relationship? Just like everybody else, you know? That's what you gotta let people know. You're like you're like everybody else. You just have you know, you compare yourself to an athlete or something, you know, you're just using a different way of making a living, but still a living. Do you think the term porn star is appropriate anymore? Do you think there are porn stars as there were, you know, maybe 10 years ago? Now with the internet, anyone with a camera can upload videos and stuff. And, uh, you know, they claim that they're porn stars when, in my opinion, they're more so porn performers. You know, porn star you know, the definition of a porn star is uh, significantly different than a porn performer. What's your take on the term porn star, and are there porn stars anymore? Um, you know, my immediate thought was there will always be porn stars. You know, whether we support them or not, you know, it really is not up to us. It's it's going to be, it's going to be um, up to the fans to determine who's a porn star and who's not. And I've seen them. I, I you know, there, there always will be. There, you know, there's always been girls in this business that have gotten more attention. and done things, even when you thought that was it, that no one can top or Jenna Jameson, you know, Terry Patrick came along and did it. You know what I mean? When he thought Terry Patrick was the number one, what if Jesse Jane came around and did it? You know, Belladonna came around and did it. Um, you know, you're looking at you're looking at girls now. Asa Akira came along and did it. Jessica Drake came along and did it. You know, women of color had a hundred. Naomi Banks. I mean, there's always girls that kind of come along and just stand out and really not even become a porn star, but just a star in how they maintain themselves, how they handle their business, how they interact with fans. 
you know, their awareness of who they are and, and what they can do. That's, I believe, is what makes a star a star. Is there an aspect of the adult industry that you do not enjoy? <sighs> well, considering I've been on both sides, you know, I've been loved and hated. Um, I think I'm generally loved. I think when I walk into a room at any porn convention, award show, you know, I have a few friends, you know, and it's up to me really to engage and interact. It really is. If, I'm, if I feel standoffish, then people will take it as that and become just to stand office. If I'm open and engaging and laughing, you know, I think it makes, it allows people to walk up and say, hey, you know, how are you doing? You know, you're smiling, you're happy, good, me too. You know, I'm glad to see that. And I noticed that. I think, so I was going to say, the answer to your question was, um, I probably didn't like the, the whole, how it could be really high schoolish. You know, it can be a bunch of young girls still carry on the traditions of high school. Yeah. You know, until they get taste of the real world, you know, until they get out there and start seeing, you know, paying your taxes and dealing with irate fans or people who hate on their, um, you know, performance skills and shit. When you start dealing with negativity, you got to grow up. You know, you can be angry at it. You can retaliate. You can let it get to you. Or you can just ignore it and just stay Say, I'm going to keep you guys talking about me, you know, and stay focused on your career. It, it depends. It really does. It's that high school mentality. You can overcome it, but I think that that's, if I had to hate anything, it can be that. In fact, we don't get residuals. There's no really, there's no support. Like, they created APAC, which is an adult performers action committee or something like that. Um, but, you know, come on, man. Performers need support, like, big time, beyond the you know the paycheck <laughs> and the and the and the fan praise. We need to look out for each other. You know, self esteem, low you know low self esteem can happen. You know what I mean? You can you you're dependent on being liked and accepted sexually. Um, you know, you put a lot of trust in other performers. So when everybody's gone home and the lights are off and you're by yourself or with your significant other, it's important that you whatever love you felt on set and felt from your fans, you got to feel that. When no one else is around, you got to feel that within yourself. And I think if performers are able to like support each other through the good and the bad, and kind of and see signs where people can step in and kind of like lift somebody's spirits up, then more power to them. I think that that's that's very necessary. So I, I like to see more support when it comes to performers. Um, um, uh, amongst one another, and I, and for the most part, I think, I think, I think that's, I think that's what happens. I think that's what the girls naturally do. They gravitate towards each other and kind of support each other. I've seen that, but I can see more of it. I'm glad that you mentioned your fans because when we were discussing the incident earlier in the interview, I basically asked you about your take on the industry's reaction to what happened but i didn't ask you about the fans and i mean obviously there were some haters there were some people that used that low point to hate on you and your career but there were still a lot of loyal fans of yours that were supportive of you during that low point and 
they're still there with you now and they still love Mr. Marcus. What's your reaction to, uh, you know, your fan base's loyal support, you know, throughout that time and beyond? Uh, the support that I've gotten from my fans was probably the biggest difference in, in getting through this, you know? Because, let's face it, the, the main thing I had to deal with was backlash, you know? backlash like hey uh, you know looking back at it like what the fuck you know I, I've had people say man it's been three years you know get over it and I try to but even as recently as a few weeks ago there's some little write up about my situation and with one of the performers and just as much as a few weeks ago so I'm like it's it's a footnote that I I want to make I want to I want to regulate that to the footnote of my career and because it's all about how you overcome things. It's all about how you can, you know, look at the bigger picture and, and, and realize how to, and realize what it takes to overcome something. With that being said, the fans kind of supersede all that because they don't give a fuck about none of that. They really don't. They're not, I used to think, you know, people used to give me shit that never met me. I'm like, it's not like I'm fucking you. <laughs> you know? It's not like I ever have sex with you. It's not like I ever did anything to you. You're just chiming in because you want to comment. Maybe, and I used to think that maybe something happened to them in their personal life, and this was their opportunity to voice what probably they didn't voice the first time, or or it was a, a chance for them to speak openly, you know, without fear of backlash, because they get to you know chime in with the crowd, blend in, say whatever the fuck they want, and, and blend back in. But for the most part, like I said. You know, 99% of the people that have watched my career kind of took it as, hey, you're still a good dude in my book. I mean, and, they, and, and some of you even admitted to the fact that they didn't know what the fuck was going on. They didn't know what the big deal was. But, you know, we're here for you. Keep making movies. And I've had that. I've had that support. Keep making movies. You know, this whole time away from the industry was... It was, a, it was a blend of, like, not being openly accepted within the industry, but also at the same time, me stepping back and saying, you know, this is something that I truly, truly, really want to do. And and if I do do it, I want to do it differently. I want to be in a, in a, and I want to be in a position of control. I don't want no one to be able to dictate if I make a living or not. And I want no one to have say in if I, if I work or not. You got me? And I think that's what I've taken from all of that. Well, Mr. Marcus, I think this might be a good place for us to stop because we've run out of time. I still have a bunch of questions that I really want to ask you. So I was wondering if you were willing to come back for a part three. Yeah, no problem. Awesome, man. Good. So, listeners, stay tuned because in part three, I'm going to ask the question that I know all of you are dying to ask Mr. Marcus, is Mr. Marcus staging a comeback? So you're not going to get the answer right now. You're going to get it in part three, so stay tuned. But before we do leave, Mr. Marcus, I do want to give you the chance to uh, fill the listeners in on how they can find you on the web, social networking, and that kind of thing. Um, I'm, I'm pretty active on MrMarcus.com. Um... Facebook, a.k.a. Mr. Marcus, and, you know, Twitter and Instagram, a.k.a. Mr. Marcus. 
So, it, you know, you type in AKA Mr. Marcus or just Mr. Marcus and it, my website should come up and on my website you'll see links to, you know, to whatever social medium that you want to use. I'm, I'm probably around in the area nearby. <laughs> I'm down the street. All you got to do is reach out and holler. There you go. Well, Mr. Marcus, I certainly want to thank you so much for coming back for part two. Nah, thank you. You know, I'm here, man. I like I like talking about this. I feel like we got a good got good energy when it comes to talking about the industry. So it's good. Let's keep it up. Absolutely, man. And listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in to One on One with Poppy Chulo. Tune in for brand new episodes of One on One with Poppy Chulo every Wednesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. You can download this episode and many more by visiting poppychuloradio.com slash archives. Registered users will gain access to the Poppy Chulo Radio archives of previously aired broadcasts. And with that, Mr. Marcus and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners. Good night, y'all. Thanks for listening to One on One with Poppy Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com or leave us a voicemail at 305-515-8620. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio and like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week. <laughs>